so basically everything we talk about on here is um well first of all uh, just ingenious but that is fact yes yes not untrue um but most of it is practical but it's based off of a systematic approach to the bible if you don't know what that is uh we'll get to that just hang on cool your jets i know everyone's thought you've got the dummies ben and jj coming at you with wisdom from the bible and beyond this is dummies with wisdom We're talking today about uh, systematic theology versus biblical theology. We mentioned last uh, podcast that we're going to kind of do a little bit of a, a series-esque uh, set of topics here. So we're, we're going to talk today about biblical theology versus systematic theology. Uh, and keep listening. It's not going to be as, as, uh, as heavy as nah. it sounds. Nope. So I've got uh, Wayne Grudem's book, uh, Systematic Theology, here, appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> uh just for the we are actually we have sources yeah and this is the uh this is the standard book for systematic theology and on uh page one he says uh what is systematic theology nope Uh, well let's go down to the paragraph where he gives it (laughs) we just get just just read from (laughs) just read read the the book the whole time (laughs) (laughs) this this book including the index and everything we're looking at a little, around 1,300 pages, so... That's going to be pretty hard to uh, fit into a half hour. No, but Grudem says here, uh, on, on the very first page of the whole thing, he says, Systematic theology is any study that answers the question, what does the Bible teach us today about any given topic? So, I mean, just practically speaking, saying, okay, what do we think about woman pastors? And that would entail yeah. then bringing up every, every verse about pastoral care or church leadership and then in con looking at it in context to see what does the bible as a whole say about uh systematic Mm. theology biblical theology on the other hand um he defines it here by calling by he defines it by explaining old testament theology and new testament theology in Old Testament theology, one might ask, what does Deuteronomy teach about prayer? Or what do the Psalms teach about prayer? Or what does Isaiah teach about prayer? Or even what does the whole Old Testament teach about prayer? And how is that teaching developed over the history of the Old Testament? That obviously being the key part there. Mm-hmm. Um, in New Testament theology, one might ask, what does John's gospel teach about prayer? Or what does Paul teach about prayer? Or what does the entire New Testament teach about prayer? And what is the historical development of that teaching as it progresses through the New Testament Biblical theology has a technical meaning in theological studies. It's a larger category that mm. contains both Old Testament theology and New Testament theology, as we have defined them above. Biblical theology gives special attention to the teachings of individual authors and sections of Scripture and to the place of each teaching in the historical development of Scripture. So, system- so I've always thought of... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, so, so systematic theology is just pulling verses... Out of their context, not out of yeah. context, but mm-hmm. pull in verses right. that are that are particular to a certain topic, putting those into a list and seeing what the Bible says. While biblical theology would be reading through a book or reading through a section or reading through the entire testament and seeing how a certain topic is developed over the course of that and really looking more at the big yeah. picture rather than the individual pixels. 
you kind of talked about it, but I've always thought this applicationally is interesting, like biblical theology versus systematic theology, just because like there's always the, especially within the church, there's always the argument of like topical preaching versus like, what's the other, I don't know, like exegetical line by line, exegetical things. Um, like those two different types of preaching. I think that's honestly what it kind of comes down yeah, to. It's like, are you going to be analogy. more, this kind of sounds bad a little bit, but I think this is kind of like, there's a little bit of misunderstanding, but then also I don't think there's enough of a balance in our churches or our teachings in general. It could be seminary, it could be right, Bible studies. Right. I don't know. Um, but biblical in our teaching or systematic in our teaching, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect in, it, it does kind of feel like it's a one versus the other sometimes. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point with the with the exegetical versus the topical preaching. Uh, it is worth noting, and and we're just kind of talking more about the practicality of these and yeah. using them in our lives. In case you haven't figured that out yet. Anyway, it's 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 like a pyramid where everything's based on that biblical theology. Where so you're systematic and you're practical and your historical theology, all those different areas yeah. of of specialty, I guess, or focus of theology yeah, are all built yeah. on your biblical theology. So if you have no idea what biblical theology, if you have no idea how biblical theology works, your systematic stuff is going to be, you know, off the rails because that's where we still have people today saying that like tattoos are a sin because systematically yeah. you pull that verse out. Yes. It says that you can't, you know, get tattoos, but when you understand biblical theology and how Jesus fulfills the law, that's therefore negated. Yeah, and so if we don't understand the biblical side, like the the biblical theology side, biblical theological side, then nice, thank you. Uh, then the systematic is gonna it. It's not that it's worthless at that point, but it's gonna fail. Yeah, yeah. So then, like, applicationally, how would you see like just for like? I mean, I feel like this is an area that I'm trying to grow into. But how how would you grow? in your biblical theology and then your systematic theology in in the context of like, I personally feel like there are areas of the church that are really strong in their biblical theology. Yeah. And then they're really strong in their systematic theology, but there's something that kind of lacks. Therefore, honestly, their systematic theology and their biblical theology kind of has some areas and gaps too. Well, really systematic theology, systematic theology is really quite easy yeah on the surface uh, it's on the surface yeah because it's it's literally what does the bible say about being drunk okay you look up every verse that has to do with alcohol or drunk or wine or beer or what whatever yeah and then say okay what are, what are these verses as a, as a whole point to the answer being that's a pretty simple process that really anybody can do especially with the internet today mm-hmm Biblical theology takes a lot more work because you have to take in a lot more information. So when you're when you're doing a Bible reading plan and you read, well, here I've got this in front of me, Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son. Everybody knows that. Doing a paper Mm -hmm. on from one of my classes. That's we could talk about that all all the day long. But what does that do? How 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 does that fit into the book of Luke? How is that the themes of the book of Luke? And this isn't maybe something that you're going to be able to do yourself. You might need, you know, some study notes, some, you know, a commentary, something like that. But how, mm-hmm. do, how does the parable here in Luke 15 help develop the themes of Luke? 
even in the chapter, even in chapter 15, there's a flow that this gets into. There's a, there's a, yeah. there's a flow that this is a big part of. Right. And if you take this out of context, is that going to change the meaning of the parable? By and large, no. You can, you can screw it up, but by and large, it's going to have the same meaning. But when you see it in that context and you see that flow that it has, it, it helps develop that theme, just like any book does. You know, if you, if you pick up Charlotte's Web and look at every verse that pertains to the, the what's the rat's name? Rodney? Oh, gosh. It's been forever. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> uh, if you, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you look up every verse, not verse, every sentence or every paragraph sure. that talks about the rat, you might learn a great deal about whatever that rat's name is. Actually, that would probably be something you'd learn pretty quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you are not going to know at but all the story of Charlotte's Web. Yeah. You're not right. going to know what the climax mm. of the story was, how it was resolved. Why is Charlotte suddenly right. just dead? Mm. <laughs> that was a fair yeah. point. No, I, I like that. I like that, though. Like, that's like such a great analogy, though, because I feel like so often in our stu- our self-studies and our Bible studies, it's not even that we're necessarily taking verses out of context. We're just not reading it in its entirety. Right. Or we don't have a full grasp of the whole story. Like, there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with in the morning reading a, a chunk of scripture or a couple verses or something that, like, you know, doing a word study or something. But if you don't have a great picture of the overall story you're not going to have the understanding or the impact right. or you might completely be misled by what is actually going on when there is something so much deeper going on. Like, um, I was just having a conversation with this, uh, with some guys. Um, uh, Oh my word. It's, uh, when Jesus takes the disciples up to Philippi and he tells Peter that on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Yeah. I don't know how many sermons I've heard on that. I don't know how many conversations I've had about that. You know, Peter being the rock and like, it's very Peter focused or it's very church focused or whatever. But when you dig deep into the context of what they're doing, they're going to, sorry, I'm going to start preaching here. I'll be quick. Uh, (laughs) They're going to the most like vile place in the known world. Like it was known as the gates of hell. Yeah. And so, culturally for jesus to take his disciples into that arena and basically tell them this is where your ministry starts like that's a completely different shift than peter being over here you know and having a conversation about peter and his which is valid right but having a conversation about peter and the conversation with jesus or the fact that jesus is gonna you know the church is the rock of you know his kingdom on earth which is all great but i think you lose the impact when you're like Jesus actually took his disciples into the most vile, twisted place that they knew of and said, look at this. You're going to go straight into this culture, into this environment, and you're going to tell them about me. You know, something yeah, like that. Yeah. I think that's where your your biblical theology supports something like that systematic application of like biblically i understand the context and what's going on but then systematically wow jesus took his disciples there pretty early on in the ministry into that environment what does that mean for me right. and i think that's what what's the uh matt chandler quote from the revelation series 
It's not written. It, uh, it can't mean something to us that it didn't mean to them. That was not the one. I think that's one part. That's good what one. Was, that is a good one that applies, but it's not written. Is it not written to us? It's, no, it's, it's not written for us. It's written for us, but it wasn't written to us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think, and again, that's that goes back to an understanding of biblical theology, which that that quote right there is almost like your bridge from your biblical theology, which has to be solid, to then your systematic theology, which will be solid if you apply, if you dive in and apply it and actually try to critically think about our culture and our world today. And if you know your biblical theology well enough, I, I, it's not possible. But theoretically, if you if you could know that well enough, you wouldn't need your systematic theology because you'd already know it. Systematic theology is because the Bible is so huge that we can't, if I just say, hey, tell me a verse about um, evolution. Give me all the verses on evolution. You're, you're, I mean, you're probably going to go to Genesis, but right. then what? Well, that's where we bring in systematic theology and say, okay, we're going to look at verses that talk, talk about creation itself or um, maybe the, the, the seven day week or maybe um, Adam or maybe whatever it may be original sin and then we'll put all those together and say okay what does this say here here i think here's a good example of of why biblical theology needs to be the grounding when i said something about woman pastors earlier i'm assuming that most people who actually are listening to this podcast had a thought on yay or nay maybe subconsciously but my guess is that there was there was some sort of thought there and one of the most common things i've heard about being pro woman pastor is well, that was because of the mm. historical context that Paul was writing in. And that'd be, you know, classified under historical theology. Yeah. Was that, was that part of Paul's culture that woman, women would not be pastors? Yes. Outright, yeah. yes. But what is, what is the, especially the New Testament, what, how, does that, how does the theme of women develop? Mm. Yep. We can, we can look at verses all day long and say, well, co- the historical context was this, the culture was this, so and so forth. That, that very well may be true, but it doesn't matter what the historical context was if that's a truth outside of the historical context, which mm-hmm. that's where you need the biblical theology because if that theme is being developed and that's just another part of, part of that development, then it doesn't matter what the context was in Corinth or what the uh, context was in um, Ephesus or Galatia or whatever it may be, if that's part of that development, then the historical context is, yes, it's still relevant, but it doesn't negate anything yeah. there. Right. Like, even like my example with the Caesarea Philippi thing, like, it's the historical theology and context that supports what that location was and its significance. The biblical theology of where that fits into the grander story and what Jesus is trying to say by actually digging deep into, you know, scripture. And then that systematic theology coming in of this is what happened. This is how it played out. This is the bigger picture. What does that mean moving forward in relation to ministry or in relation to my neighbors or, you know, X, Y, Z? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think we, we need to recognize that Again, that it is all built on that biblical theology, so that does need to be strong. And the only way that that's going to be strong is by us reading, for most people, reading not only the Bible, but reading some supplemental stuff with it. Uh, I definitely recommend anybody listening to buy um, John Salehammer's uh, The NIV Compact Bible Commentary, I think it's called. It's a it's a little book, but it, it 
it goes through uh, scripture, like not not verse by verse, but like section by section, and kind of tells about mm-hmm. how it relates to the whole. And that's what biblical theology mm-hmm. is. And we need to make that strong because, again, it, it will, just like anything else, you build a house on top of a crappy foundation, eventually the house is going to fall or get damaged or something. Yeah. And if we if we don't put effort into and I think that's really it is it's you got to put in the effort. You know when you're when you're reading your bible are you think are you thinking you know as you're reading through Romans are you thinking okay well what what does Paul have to say today in Romans 8 and then tomorrow well what does Paul have to say in Romans 9 or when you read Romans 8 do you think okay how does this I've read seven chapters up till now how does this one relate to those seven chapters? And what's what's new in it too and 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 everything yeah. but but it, the bible is a great work of literature it's got mm. a lot of different genres it's got a lot of different authors i mean how how many books did we go through in high school where you couldn't read a sentence about the blue car drove by without discussing what does the color blue mean well why was it a car instead of a jeep when it drove was somebody driving it and you're like dude yeah. blue car drove by end of story yeah and i think that's that's where we need to be with the bible is yeah, we need to understand the blue car drove by. Is there significance in the blue car? Is somebody driving it? Why did it drive by? Those questions should be asked. They might be irrelevant. But then also understand the big picture of car drove by. Yeah. So then, I, don't know, I feel like we've got, we've talked about that pretty well. Um, but, I don't know, a question that came to mind, we're kind of, I, I think, I don't know if I brought it up, you brought it up, but like, within the church context within that like do we talk about like do we talk things topically do we go through things you know line by line exegetically you know whatever what would you like uh, in this related to this topic not necessarily from the pulpit but like believers in their study from the full spectrum from the sermon to their self-study you know yeah everything in there yeah like what would you like to see how would you like to kind of see that play out I I think I think exegetical is the way to go as a baseline. If you're if you're well if you're studying your Bible, read through stuff. Read take some time and read through an entire book if it's I mean you're never going to be able to sit and read directly through Leviticus, but you can you can sit and read straight through 1 Corinthians. It's going to take you a little while. You can read through a gospel in one sitting and you can see that that flow that that arc of the story and the th- themes that the mm. author puts into it. like do you know that each one of the gospels has a completely different purpose for being written that are and written to completely different uh re- written to completely different audiences like yeah. that's if you don't know that read through a gospel and read you know some study notes read an introduction to the to the book um it was same with the the with from the pulpit i think exegetical needs to be the baseline because if you're going through a book you're going to hit some stuff that you don't really want to talk about you know if you're yeah. like going back to the woman pastors thing if you're going through one of those books you're going to have to talk about that mm-hmm. that being said i think the system like we've been saying this whole time i think the systematic is more of a uh i think it needs to be more supplemental it needs to be you know i'm i'm reading through this book this today or this week or this month or whatever and during the day, I see something on the news, and hey, I should. I'm, what does the what's the Bible say about that? I mean, that's kind kind of what we're doing here. Like, this is 
obviously not a podcast about you know reading the bible this is the, yeah. the backside of what what do what do we think about these pertinent topics some of them pertinent or i mean not yes they should all be pertinent <laughs> <laughs> some of them current like current you know current events current topics right. um and that's i mean that's where we get our topics is we live mm-hmm. and have yeah. those thoughts and write them down and then we talk about them so that other people can be as smart as we are. <laughs> I think that the systematic stuff needs to be more. What are the questions I have through because of what I saw today, because of what I heard on the news, because of, you know, whatever it may be. That's where the be- like, that's where that stuff comes in. Your mm. your study of the Bible should be the Bible. No, that's that's accurate. It sounds funny, but it's okay. It's I, I, that sounded good up here. I just didn't know if it sounded good coming out there. No, because honestly, I think that's where we get in trouble. Like our study of Christian related theological topics, a lot of times don't start with the Bible. I think we get a lot of people who get in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah, you know, or they get they start to mislead themselves slash others because it didn't start it either didn't start with scripture or their biblical theology was never they never understood the full picture the bigger picture of it and so now they're applying this systematically in a way that is it sounds good but it's inaccurate and ultimately won't be as powerful even if it is with a good intention you know that's a more optimistic view of that but it won't be with a good intention if you don't understand the grander story of what you're doing Right. And I, I think generally speaking, I want to be careful how I say this, but I think generally speaking, what we look, what we tend to look at systematically, not what systematic theology is, but what we tend to look at is typically far less important than what biblical theology would be. Now, Grant, you can look up who is Jesus, what is the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, stuff that's very important. But generally, it's something like tattoos and alcohol and the sign gifts and women, women pastors or roles of women and men or like that, which, again, is is all important. But that's not the most important stuff. And the most important stuff should not be understand primarily systematically. So my two thoughts, because I agree with everything you said, so I want to repeat what you said, but. My first thought it actually leads kind of like what to what leads out of what you were just saying. I think the measure of a believer theologically, not necessarily like where their heart's at, yeah. but almost where their brain's at, I think is kind of directed toward what you were just saying. Like what topics are they knowledgeable on? Um, what What is it that they're diving into? Because I think there is a certain point to where not a fake it till you make it because... I think there's a lot of really strong believers out there where their biblical theology maybe is not much deeper than a surface level, you know, but they're really knowledgeable on uh, predestination and free will or women pastors or these hot topics that just come up, you know? And so when they come up, either you're interested in them or they keep coming up. So you have to like dive into it, you know? And so you have your opinion on it and a lot of them might be actually have some really good backing to it. But what I've seen, even in the highest level of churches, and I think that's why there's so much like controversy around it, is that there's a lack of 
truly diving deep into the biblical side of it. Of course, there's a lot of questions that we can't answer, but just to like my first point, I think you can measure where people's hearts are at as far as the information goes, as far as the study of scripture goes on what topics they're actually diving into. You know, it's like, do you know a lot about women pastors or is it that you're, you're much more inclined to want to know who Jesus is, you know? And are you, do you actually, are you really studying like, okay, what, what was Jesus passionate about? What was, how does this book flow to this book? You know, that type of depth. And it's just a deeper level and it's not to, you know, pin anybody or to pick any one person out because I think we all have a lot of growing to do. Like I'm in the same boat, but I think that's where you really find people who are wanting to learn. But then two, sorry, that was really long winded. Um, The... The actual, I think we, there's just a really small thought that I had. I think we put a lot of pressure when it comes to our understanding of scripture on the pastor or on the pulpit and on that Sunday morning service. And I think we, as a Western culture, expect too much from that one hour of Sunday to teach us that biblical, that's what, that's where I hate that the, um, the back and forth on, oh, I really like when my pastor's exegetical or I really like topical preaching. To me, when that's said, that comes across to me as you're not doing enough on your own time or in Bible studies or with fellow believers or in what other context to get yourself to a place where the pulpit can be a place of encouragement, mm-hmm. can be a place of discipline can be a place of just rallying the troops because sometimes you just got to do that you got to get everyone back on the same page um it's not a place for you it's not even a supplement it's not it's i think a lot of people are straight up using it as that is their launching pad to whatever they're about to experience or learn throughout the week right and i think that is unrealistic for one and i think churches have done a bang-up job of allowing that to happen honestly um and i would for one personally i think that's that needs to be a bigger focus because i think that's where a breakdown of biblical versus systematic theology has kind of come from we've kind of destroyed systematic theology a decent bit here i think um not intentionally because sorry yeah definitely not intentionally uh, because it is it is a very good thing and again going back to grudem systematic theology here um definitely recommend this for anybody this is the gold standard of systematic theology but just to give an example of how it can be great uh part one of, of his book is, is the doctrine of the word of God. I'm just going to read through the, the chapters he's got under this part. Uh, the word of God, what are the different forms of the word of God? The canon of scripture, what belongs in the Bible and what does not belong? The four characteristics of scripture, authority, how do we know that the Bible is God's word? Clarity, can only Bible scholars understand it? Ne- three is necessity, for what purposes are the Bible necessary and how much can people know about God without the Bible? Four, sufficiency, is the Bible enough for knowing what God wants us to think or do and the inerrancy of scripture? Are there any errors in the Bible? Those are all incredibly important topics. And that would be great to, even if we're, even if we know the Bible, like a Pharisee, that'd be great to read through that just to get the information down and to understand because it's it systematic theology, like by definition, it's theology done in a systematic way. Like it's, Again, you're going to lose some of the context. You're not going to see that overarching thing. But right above biblical theology is systematic theology. And it is very important for us to know these things. And we're not going to 
Yeah. We're not going to know these things through biblical theology alone. If somebody asks us, how do we know that is, you know, yeah. the, this, uh, you know, if you read the gospels, the, the temp, the tempting of Jesus is written in three different orders, two different mm-hmm. orders. Yep. Two or three different orders, three. regardless. Yeah. It's not written in the same order. Well, that seems like an error. How do we know that's not an error? Well, in, we can read the Bible all, all day long, but we have to be able to do systematic theology in our minds at that point to get these mm-hmm. things and to get these answers. And yeah. we, by no means, is systematic theology bad. It's, it's, right. just, it's just not, it's the, not primary, it's secondary. But it is still secondary. Yes. Like, overall, yeah. Biblical theology is going to sit kind of in that little bit higher hierarchy. I kind of see historical theology as almost like on the outside a little bit and it just it filters in like it yeah. influences that biblical theology it really influences that biblical theology it doesn't necessarily well the, the like, problem is historical theology usually turns into historical study and it's just right. history which is good which is good yeah we need, we need which that. is good because that influences your it's not really gonna i don't know if it's necessarily gonna influence your systematic theology because it's gonna influence your understanding of the bigger picture right which is your biblical theology it, uh, or gets into your biblical if theology you're, if you're doing it right it should impact your systematic kind of going back to the women pastors thing it should impact it to right. a given extent yeah, sure. but I, I think this is, this is an irrelevant uh <laughs> argument anyway so sorry i think ultimately i think what we have been kind of like what i like what, that you brought up like we're not trying to hamper on systematic theology because we believe that so much of our biblical theology is based on or sorry, so much of our systematic theology is based on our biblical theology. Right. And I think both of us too often see, and even in our own lives, our systematic theology is driven by where we grew up, our you know smaller understanding of scripture, on what our pastors said, on different outside right. of scripture avenues, where our, our it might honestly be pretty good, but our systematic theology could be so much better if our biblical theology is that much stronger. I think it's what we're just ultimately trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I think that really uh, does it for today. Uh, and it should be hard work. I just want to put that in. It should be hard work. <laughs> you shouldn't. It takes time. <laughs> if it's easy, then you're doing it wrong. Yep. Well, thanks for listening. Like we said, uh, this was our, our second one in this uh, mini, uh, I guess, series, if you want to really call it that. It's really not, but sure. What the heck? <laughs> Um, sure yeah. the, we have a series <laughs> our, our our next one will be how much m- theology must a person believe or agree with to be saved uh so be sure to tune in for that one and uh, you better agree with it all right thanks for listening hey everyone thanks for listening to this podcast of dummies with wisdom to give us comments ask questions or submit pictures of other dummies you find in the wild Email us at dummieswithwisdom at outlook.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dummieswithwisdom. 